23 and verse 18, he says, Remember ye not the formal things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? So God can be doing something, and you can be clueless to what God is doing. God can be doing things all around you. Change can be happening all around you, and you can be completely in the dark to what God is doing and what God is up to. So he says, shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The Amplified says, do not earnestly remember the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth, but do you not perceive and know it? And will you not give heed to it? Again, God can be doing things, and you can refuse this thing that God is doing. You, you don't have to give heed to what God is doing. He says, I, but if we yield to it and submit ourselves to it, I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the deserts. Praise God. So God says here that I am doing a new thing. Look at the person next to you and say, God's doing something new in my life. And tell him, saying, he desires to do something new in your life. Now, it doesn't matter where we are now, whether we are in the wilderness of life or we are in the deserts of life. If we yield to the new thing that God wants to do in our lives, if we're in the wilderness, he'll cut a pathway through that wilderness to show us how to get out. And if we are in the desert, God says we won't die from the heat, but he'll make sure that he create rivers there in the desert for us. Hallelujah. And so we have to understand that God does have something new for us. God has something new for you. God has something new for me. God has something new for your family. God has something new for our ministry. But what we have to understand that what God has for us is on the other side. And so we have to be willing to make the adjustments and make the necessary changes so you and I could get to the other side. Remember now, when Jesus told the disciples to get in the boat and go to the other side. Well, in the process of getting to the other side, the storm came, and they became terrified for their lives, but then Jesus came and he brought peace to the storm, getting them to the other side. So while God wants to do something new in you on the other side, so don't, don't park where you are. Don't park where you are. Don't think you max your life out. Don't think you've reached the apex of your life, the apex of your career, the apex of your marriage, the apex of your personal life. God still wants to do new things in your life. And one of the things that hinders God from doing the new, creating the new in our lives is our willingness to hold on to the old life willing to hold on to old things and former things and things that are behind us and things that are in our path. But God wants to do something new. Listen to me very carefully. God wants to do a new thing in your life. Matter of fact, you're really tired of the old. But what you have to realize is that when you yield yourself to God, when you submit yourself to God, then God shows you and I both how to receive the new thing that he wants to do in our lives. I'm getting ready for new. How about you? I want to read verse, uh, verse 18 and 19 from the Message Bible. He says, forget about what happened. Forget about what happened. Forget about what happened. Forget about what happened. Forget about it. Forget about what happened. Stop holding on to what happened. Stop going over old history. It's over. Let it go. Relinquish it. Detach yourself. Walk away. Put your hands up and back away from it. Forget about it. Look at the person next to you and say, forget about it. Tell them, say, whatever happened, forget about it. 
Now, folks, I'm going to show you that this is important if God is going to do a new thing in your life. If God is going to create a new thing in your life, you're going to have to forget about what happened. He says, don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I love that. Be present. Come to where God is today. Forget about yesterday. Be, pre be present with what God is doing today. He says, be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? See, we have to ask, he has to ask that question. Don't you see it? Don't you see it? Obviously, my actions are indicating I don't see it, indicating that I'm missing. He says, don't you see it? He says, there it is. I'm making a road through the desert, rivers in the bad land. So we started this, this teaching a few weeks ago. This is our third lesson. We're in lesson number three. And we're teaching from the subject of a season of change, a season of change. When we hold on to the old and former things of our lives, it hinders us from embracing seasons of change, thus missing the new thing that God desires to create in our lives. And that is the, the very principle of this text that we've been coming from. So we've given you a subtopic for this series, and it is embracing a new thing, embracing a new thing embracing it, that the new thing that God wants to create in your life, the new thing that God wants to do in your life, that new thing will never begin to impact your life until you embrace that new thing. Amen. So the objective is to bring you and I to this place in our lives where we understand, value, and appreciate change, thus embracing it as we would a dear friend. When we accept and properly manage change, we eliminate the frustration that many times is associated with that change. With any kind of change, there is always a degree or an element of frustration. But when we value the change, we understand, get an understanding of the change, it is then that we're able to properly manage that change. Now, I want you to turn to Psalms 55. Psalms 55, and, and we went here, uh, I believe, last week. I want to go there again because I want to look at something, the, the very core. What is at the very core of change? The very core of change. If I'm going to change, if you're going to change, if we are going to change, what then is at the very core of that change? In our last lesson, we talked about five indicators that change is necessary, indicators that change is necessary. These are signposts, as it were, to let you know when it's time to change. Number one, we said when what you're doing violates the Word of God. When what you're doing violates the Word, it could be a custom, it could be a practice, it could be a habit, it could be some tradition, something you've always done, but when you discover that that thing is a violation to the Word of God, then it needs to be changed. Number two, we said when you're doing things that are not working, when you're doing something that is not working, it's no longer working, maybe it worked at one time, it worked at one season of your life, it worked at a particular time of your life, an era of your life, but it's no longer working, it's no longer producing, it's no longer effective. And so if that's the case, then I need to stop doing that thing. When something is not working, because you and I both know if something's not working, we continue to do it, we're going to keep getting the same results. Number three, when what you are doing is robbing others, when what you're doing is robbing others or causing yourself to be robbed, what I'm doing is robbing someone else, taking away from them, or what I'm doing is robbing myself, allowing myself to be taken from. Then if that's the case, that's a good indicator that change needs to take place. Number three and four, I won't, I won't teach from them, but I didn't cover them in our last time together last week. Number, three was, number four was when there is environmental disharmony and ongoing confusion, then something needs to change. When there is environmental disharmony, when the home is always in disarray, when there's always disharmony, when there's always, you know, strife, and when there's always contention, something needs to change, something needs to give. 
And then number four, number five, excuse me, number five, when you are restless with the status quo, restless with the status quo and desire something different. You and I both know if we want something different, what? We have to do something different. Someone has once said that, you know, it is insane. It is a form of insanity to continue doing the same thing and expecting a different result, expecting something to change. But you're going to keep getting the same results if you continue doing the same thing. And when you become restless with the status quo, listen to me, people of God, status quo living is the rocking chair of death. Status quo living is the rocking chair of death, that you will rock yourself to death with status quo living, things just being always as they have been. You will rock yourself to death with status quo living. It's time for a change. It's time for a change. It's time for something different. It's time for something better. It's time for God's best. Amen? person that should say, I'm ready to make the change. Now, look in verse number 19. Verse 19 of Psalm 55, let's look at the B portion of that, that last part. It says, because they have no changes. Because they have no changes. Say no change. No change. Say it again, no change. No change. Now, now, what is it will cause a man not to change? Because they have no changes, therefore they fear not God. A man will not change, a person will not change if they do not reverence God, if they do not have honor, respect, esteem, and value for God, they will not change. He says, because they have no changes, therefore, therefore, they fear not God. To fear God is not to be terrorized by God. It's not to be afraid of God. It's not to be intimidated by God. But it is to fear God means to, means to live in honor of him and keep his word. To fear God, to have reverential fear for God. Such a respect for God that you have the audacity to do what he says when he tells you to do something. That is the fear of the Lord. And when your, when your respect level, when your, your reverence level, when your honor level is for something that's greater than God, then you'll never come to the place where you obey God and make changes that need to be made in your life. Amen. Amen. He says, because they have no changes, therefore they fear not God. I love what the Message Bible says. It says, but set in their ways, they won't change. But set in their ways, they will not change. And the latter part of it says, they'll pay God no mind. God can say what he wants to say. God can have preached what he wants to have preached. I'm not paying him any mind because I am set in my way. I've always done it like this. I'm going to continue to do it like this. My granddaddy did it like that. I'm going to do it the same way. That's just how we do it. We Jacksons, and that's how Jacksons do it. <laughs> But when you get set in your ways, you will not change. Reminds me of a story. Uh, this, this grandmother, she had, uh, when she would take her meat and put it in the pot, she'd take a, a roast or a steak or whatever and put it, in the, put it in, in, in the pot or in the skillet to fry it and cook it. She'd always cut the ends off. She'd cut the ends off, then put it in the pot and, and just, just let, it, let it cook, let it fry. And then when her daughter came along, she'd cut the ends off and put it in the pot, you know, just wasting meat. Put, cut the ends off and put it in the pot. And then when, when her daughter came along, she started doing the same thing, getting ready to cook some meat. And so her, her husband said, hey, 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 wait a minute, what, what are you doing? Say, well, I'm cutting the ends off this meat. What you cutting the ends off for? She said, well, I don't know. My mama always cut the ends off for she, when she got ready to cook roast or meat or whatever, she, she always cut the ends off. And so she said, I'm going to ask my mother why she always did that. So she asked her mom, Mom, you know, you, you'd always cut the ends off your, off your meat, your roast, when you got ready to put it in the pot. Why did you do that? 
She said, well, I don't know. I've always seen my mama do it. So she went and asked her mother and, and said, Mom, why, why did you always cut the ends off your, your roast and your meat when you got ready to put it in the pot? She said, well, I did that because I didn't have a big enough pot. <laughs> and we just be doing, see, that's setting your ways. Setting your ways, have no idea for why you do what you do. And that's what happened. We get caught in customs and habits and practices because we saw somebody else do it and have no idea. We are just clueless to why they are doing it. So here you are wasting because you picked up a practice and didn't even understand the purpose of the practice. And that's how you get caught in your ways. You get set in your ways. And the scripture said, when you get set in your ways, if you don't have a reverence for God, that outweighs the comfort of your way of doing something, you will not change. But it's time for change. Tell the person that you say, I came here this morning to get my change. Have you ever, have you ever went to the store and, and you left the store and forgot to get your change? And you turn around and go back to the store and show them your receipt and say, I forgot to get my change. And then you show your receipt because you want your change. Well, that's why you came back here this morning because you want your change. And your receipt is the word of God. You got proof that you're supposed to be changing. So we came back to get our change this morning. Amen. Amen. So when we get set in our ways, we will not change. So this morning, what I want to do this morning for the rest of the way, I want to talk to you about enemies that keep us from embracing our new thing. The enemies that keep you and I from embracing our new thing. Now, before we get into that, I want to give you a kingdom statement. The statement is this. Change must be managed in order to be maintained. Change must be managed in order to be maintained. Change is not automatically maintained. Change must be managed in order to be maintained. It is a matter, change I'm talking about, it is a matter of cause. There need to be a cause for change. Amen. There is a reason for change. And your reason always has to outweigh your reluctancy to change. But that should be a, a cause. Change is a matter of cause. Say change is a matter of cause. Number two, change is a matter of choice. Matter. I, you didn't have to say that, but I'm, <laughs> I went to number two, but, but good, good class. <laughs> change is a matter of choice. You will not change until you choose to change. Just because someone says you need to change, that's not what's going to cause you to change. Just because others have been, been provoking you to change, that's not what. You are not going to change until you make a decision, until you choose to change. Change is a matter of choice. You have to choose to change. Choice is the open door to reality. All right? So change is a matter of choice. Number three, before we get into the enemies, number three, change is a matter of consciousness. It is a matter of consciousness that you must do something to alter your life so you are always conscious of the changes that you're trying to make. You know, one of the things is this, that whenever you have an inspired moment, you have to be able to have something in your life or someone in your life who reminds you of that moment of inspiration because it is the moment of inspiration that keeps us consistent in the changes that we need to make. That's why when you're trying to lose weight, you're listening to some kind of tapes, some kind of CDs. Maybe you're going to the gym. Maybe you have a trainer coming to the house. Maybe you have other people around you that's involved in the same thing. Maybe you're part of some kind of group, but you're all trying to lose weight. And long as you are connected, that inspiration is constantly coming and you're able to stay consistent. But once you pull away from everything that inspires you, you stop doing that new change. And that's why it's important to come to church every Sunday. That's why it's important to come to church every Sunday because once you get inspired, an inspired moment not continued in becomes a wasted moment. So there need to be a consistent feeding of what inspired you in the first place. 
Change is a matter of, is a matter of courage. It's a matter of courage. I love courage because courage is the boldness to obey under pressure. Anybody can obey when the pressure's not on, but when the pressure's on, what are you going to do? And that's what courage is. And change is a matter of courage. Number six, it's a matter of commitment. It's a matter of commitment. To be committed means to be faithful despite your emotions. Amen. That when your emotions change, you don't change. Amen. You stay the same because you don't live by your emotions. You live by principle. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And then number seven, and I love this, change is a matter of calculated risk. Change is a matter of calculated risk. Because here's the, here's the bottom line, people. You make the change, you know what you expect from the change, but you really don't know what's going to happen. Now, it don't have anything to do with your faith. That, that's, that's why you need faith. Because, you know, I'm going to make this change. Okay, I'm going to do this. But I really, I, I don't know how this is really going to turn. Now, I'm believing for it to turn out like this. I'm expecting for it to do this. But I really don't know. Because remember, change is new for you and you don't know what's going to happen. Right. Amen. Amen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the change. I'm going to make the adjustment. I'm going to step into something new. But I really don't know how this thing is going to turn out. I'm going to just be nice today. I'm going to treat them good today and just see. I don't know how they, I know right is the right thing to do. Treat them right is the right thing to do. Walk in love is the right thing to do. But I just don't know how they're going to respond to this. It's calculated risk. You're putting yourself on the line. You're going to speak, I'm going to decide to speak to her this morning. You speak to her, she don't speak. Calculated risk. Now you can put yourself out there. Now who look like the fool for Jesus? <laughs> Come on now. Come on now. Calculated risk. Change is a matter of calculated risk. Folks, let me tell you something. If you're not willing to risk, you're not willing to go anywhere. People who don't risk are looking for a free ride. Life's all about risk. You took a risk when you married them. Hello? You did. You took a risk. You didn't know him. You, you know him as a girlfriend, boyfriend, but you didn't know him as a spouse. It's different. Yeah. That's a whole nother ball game. Yeah. And all the married folks say. Amen. <laughs> Y'all tell them single folks say, now he ain't lying now. <laughs> he, he ain't lying now. I'm with him now. He ain't lying. I, I woke up. Shoot, he, he right. <laughs> it's risk. It's, it's risk. Whenever you, whenever you change, there's an element of risk involved. There are two kind of people in life. Those who stand around the tree and believe God for fruit to fall. And those who take the risk, climb the tree, get on the branch, and go get their own fruit. Which one are you? Which one are you? So let's talk about these enemies that keeps you from embracing your new thing. During this series, I'm, I'm, I'm headed somewhere. We're going to get to the place where we start talking about I'm excited about it. I hadn't gotten there yet. But we're going to start talking about change in progressive ministry. Change in progressive ministry. A lot of times people get lost in progressive ministries because they don't understand the changes that's required to maintain growth and, and, and perpetual increase and sustain prosperity in progressive ministry. And a lot of people get left. So we're going to talk about that. We'll talk about that. All right, but today, what's keeping you from embracing your new thing? God wants to do a new thing in you. God wants to create a new thing in your life. And what is keeping you? What are your enemies that's keeping you from Embrace, because it's there. God's doing it. God's work. You see it. You see it. Many of us see it. But what's keeping you from reaching out and just receiving it as you would a dear friend? Keeping you from embracing that new thing. Number one, mentally holding on to the past. Yes, yes sir. Mentally holding on to the past. That will keep you from 
Uh, um, come here, Donovan. No, you, you over here. Come here, Mom. <clears throat> stand right here. Yeah, stand there. This is the new thing that God has for me. And I see it. And, and, and it's, it's right here. But what, come here, Donovan. What keeps me from, hold my hand, what keeps me from embracing it is I'm holding on to what's behind me. <laughs> All right. But if I let go, then I can embrace the new thing. And that's why God say, don't, don't you see it? Yeah. It's, it's right there in front of you. All right. And all you got to do is, is, is let go. Because although you're right here, but mentally you're still holding on back here. You're holding yeah. on to the farmer and it's keeping you from embracing mm. your new thing. So when are you going to let go of your, all your past is doing, Donovan, kind of pull on me a little bit. See, this is what your past is doing. Your past is just, is just pulling you back and that's why you got to let it go. Yeah. yeah, all right. So you can yeah. embrace the new thing that's right in front. You don't have to go cross town for your new thing. It's right there in front of you. Amen, amen. That's good. Amen. All right, thank y'all. Thank y'all. So you have to let go. And mentally, you have to relinquish your path. Let it go. Now, here's the thing. Some of you, you have moved physically. Yeah. But mentally, you still back there. There was a gospel group that came out with a song many years ago. And it was entitled, Your Body Is Here With Me. Come on, you finish it. Y'all been to church. Y'all been to church. Come on. You've been to church before. You go ahead and finish it. What's your mind? But your mind yeah. is on the other side of town. <laughs> and how many people, how many people, okay, we've moved physically. Yeah. Yes, sir. L let me ask you a question. Yeah. Are, are, you, are you where I see you? I see you, I see you in the new house, but are you there? I, I, see, I see you've gotten married. I, I see you in that marriage, but are you there? Amen. Very, very good. One of the things we have to learn to do is be where we are. You can only be where you are. And we need to, and that's why Jesus said, with your lips you can serve me and your heart be far from me. So even Jesus is letting us know just because you're somewhere physically doesn't mean all of you is there. And that's why God wants all of you. Amen. Some of you are in the church, but your, your mind is still in the world. You're in a new relationship, but mentally you're holding on to the old relationship. Are you really sleeping with your wife? Is she the one really turning you on? Come on now. Talk. Amen. Talk. So I'm talking about mentally. Now see what this does. See, this keeps you from embracing the new thing that God has for you. And many of you, I mean, you, you, God has opened a door, you've gotten a good job, you have a great career, but you're still holding on to the old company, and that's why you can't maximize your potential in the new place that you're in because you're still holding on to how they mistreated you and what they did to you at the old employment. And so you walk around in the new place, but you're really not there. You're suspect and suspicious and skeptical about every little thing because you're looking for a sign that reminds you of the past. And I'm going to tell you something, people of God, if you want a sign, you can best believe the devil will give you as many as you want. And, and he'll have you thinking, because you got to understand, the devil can operate in the sense realm. 
And every time you're looking for a sign, the devil going to make sure you get one because he doesn't want you to embrace your new thing. And so he'll let something come up. He'll let some conversation, some action, you know, some, some way, some conduct, some way that someone has treated. He'll keep that stuff coming up just to keep you from embracing your new thing. And so what you're doing, even in this ministry, there are some of you in this church, you will not maximize your potential because the way you were done at the previous ministry. And so, therefore, you start robbing the ministry. And anything that's robbing, there needs to be a change. So you'll rob the ministry of your gift, of your talent, of your anointing, of your resources because of what happened in your past. You're still holding on. You're here, but your mind is still holding on to what Reverend so-and-so did. Yeah. Yes, sir. Amen. See? Yes, sir. Mentally holding on to the past will cause you not to embrace this new thing that God has for you. Amen. Amen. I remember clearly, say new thing. thing. Tell the person that you say, God wants to create create a new thing in you. you. Tell them, say, God has not run out of of new things for you. He still wants to create Something new for you. Oh, I just, I just, I just, I just saw that. I just saw that now. Now listen. What was, what was new last year? May not be new this year. God's in the upgrade. God's in the new, creating something new in your life. Something new in your life. Say mentally holding on to the past. I remember when in 1990, in 19, not, not 19, in, in, in 2000, the latter part of 2000, when the Lord spoke to me and told me to start this church, start this ministry. And I've shared this testimony before. I think it's germane to what we're talking about. And when I told my wife, when I shared it with my wife, God spoke to me, told me to start the church. I want you to start a church. Started in the Arcola Fresno area. It's going to be a multicultural church. The name is going to be Water Restoration Christian Fellowship. There, people are going to come to receive a word for their restoration. In that church, you're going to bridge the, the rich and the poor, the black, the white, the city and country. He said, the vision is to be restoring lives with the word of God. And I'm giving you an assignment. Your assignment is to build me a city, the city of restoration. God spoke that to me. And and I remember sharing it with my wife when I told my wife. And my wife gave a resounding no. A resounding no. No, you're not starting a church. We're We're not starting a church. Now listen very carefully. Now I know where that came from. It wasn't the devil or anything like that. I know where that was coming from. That was coming from mentally holding on to the past. Because I had started a church in 1990, and it it came to nothing. It never really got off the ground. I pastored that church for six years. My mom then was there. Uh, Pastor Barnes and his wife, they've been with me for about 20 years. They were there, part of that church. I think the most we got up to was maybe 60 people, and that was Easter. Come on. <laughs> and if I tell you everything was, a, we had to believe God for everything. When I say every, I mean we, we didn't have money to do, we had to believe God for everything. If we needed a spare key, if somebody else needed a key, we said, well, we get in faith. Let's pray, believe God, so we can get the money to get a key made. I mean, we, it was a struggle. It was a struggle. It was. It was a struggle. It was a struggle. It was a struggle. It was small and, and you know, just, just a whole lot of different experiences. Uh, and I thank God for those experiences. Thank God for them. Shut that church down. And, and so, so I knew. I knew. Because we had moved from South Post Oak to, to the north side. 
We was on South Post Oak in a little strip center. We had moved to the north side. There's quite a few people that's still here that was with us during that time. Uh, uh, Burleson, uh, Burleson them came and been, was a part of that ministry during that time. And uh, Eddie and Cheryl Egan, who's here. Uh, Sandra Jones, uh, uh, Calhoun, brother and sister Calhoun. Uh, matter of fact, Brother Francis, y'all, some of you uh, brothers know him, that usher. I started that church in his home, and he's here. Now, it's amazing those people are still here because when God connects somebody to your life, now, everybody's not assigned to your life, but some people are just, some people are not going to be with nobody but you. And, and that's, so that's not to say, you know, everybody's going to be with you forever. That's not what I'm saying. Now, but... But so when I said I'm starting the church, then we went, through a, we went through a bad church experience in another ministry. And so now, you know, the easiest thing to do is, look, go join somebody's church and, and just be a member. <laughs> Come on now. Ain't none, of this, ain't none of this first lady stuff, none of this senior pastor stuff. We just going to be members, give our little tithes and offering, and, and we might get involved. <laughs> Because we had stopped going, you know, during this time, before I started the church, see, we had went through a bad hurt. I had stopped going to church. I had been out of church about six months. We had stopped going to church. Amen. And so when I said, we're going to start the church, she said, no, we're not going to start a church. Now, listen to this very carefully. Had my reverence, honor, and respect for my wife had been greater then my honor, my respect, and my reverence for God, I would not have done it. Because, because if, if you don't honor God, you won't change. And so I had to, in spite of, you know, the resounding no, in spite of all the old experiences, because rightfully so and justifiable so, I understood exactly where she was coming from. I mean, the question's on the tape. You already started a church. Where is it? Where that church at? Well, I don't know. You seem to be there. Tell me. <laughs> you know, you know, I, don't know where, I don't know where it's at. Are, are you getting the point? But, but now, folks, now listen. Had we both chose to just hold on to the past, yeah. look at what I would have robbed the body of Christ of, look at what I would have robbed God of, and look at what I would have robbed myself of. And so I don't, and so this became, this became the new thing that God wanted to create in our lives, but we were mentally holding on to the past. And how many of you are sitting in this room today, there's something that God has presented to you. When God gave me the vision, he showed me everything. I see it. It's right there before me, but I didn't initially embrace it because I'm dealing with my past. And there are many of you sitting here this morning. God has shown you your future. He has shown you another business. He's shown you another idea. He's given you another concept. He's given you a new way of doing something, but you're holding on to your past mentally holding on to your past. It could be some people sitting in here that ain't here. Yes, sir. Yeah, you work at so-and-so, but are you there? Where's your thinking? Are you mentally holding on to your past? You in a marriage, got a good man or a good woman, but you won't maximize yourself in that relationship. Because mentally, you're holding on to how your ex treated you. And so, and so he, has not, he has not or she has not really embraced who you are. Because the last time you really opened up, you got hurt. And what does it do? It keeps you from embracing the new thing that God has created for you. And I'm going to show you what this new thing does when when God creates it. I'm going to show you for in in, in just a moment. But folks, there are many people, you are mentally holding on to your past because somebody deceived you. Somebody messed over you. Someone hurt you. Someone abused you. And mentally, you're still holding on to your past. And that new thing the, the, the new thing, listen, folks, the, the new thing, all it requires is a reach. It's right there. 
It's right there. They offered you the promotion. It's right there. No, uh, mm -mm, I already see where it's going. I already see that's that what happened over there when I was working for them other folk. And them folk had me strong from pillar to post. And I tell you, I ain't gonna be giving them folk my life. <laughs> but see, you don't know the full details un until you accept. And you're not even, you're not even, you're not, you're not even considering that. You're just looking at, you're, you're making decisions for your future based on your past. And that's why the Bible said, don't even let it come into mind. Consider not the formal things. And don't even let those old things come into mind. Now listen to me, people of God. Only God has the ability to forget. Only God has the ability to forget. But when he talks about remembering not the formal thing, not considering the things of old, he's talking about making a shift in our emotions and how this thing impacts us. That you'll always remember how he treated you. You remember how she treated you. You remember how they terminated you. You remember how they treated you. But how it impacts you today, don't let that come into mind. You used to cry about it every time you thought about it. There were some people you told your family, you told your wife, your husband, your kid, look, don't y'all bring that name up in this house. I don't want to hear that name no more. But now today, see, this is how you know you moved on. When you hear that name today, it doesn't even bother you. It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't even bother you. Why? Because you've allowed the Holy Ghost to heal that wound. Folks, let me tell you something. Time don't heal all wounds. Whoever told you that lied to you. If you ever been lied to, they lied to you then. Time don't heal all wounds. Time just seals the wound. It just, it don't heal it. It just seals, it covers it up. That's all it does. It just, it, it just puts it in a bottle and put a top on it, but it's still there. Only the Holy Ghost can get down in there and, and begin to minister to you and really heal you from what has hurt you. My, my granddaughter, my granddaughter, uh, my granddaughter uh, had injured herself. And we, we, we took her to the hospital. They took her to the hospital. And watch this. This is very important. They, they, where she had been, been cut, been wounded, they stitched it up. They stitched it up, but it was still bleeding. The bleeding wouldn't stop. Watch this now. I'm going somewhere. The bleeding wouldn't stop. They, they, they stitched it up. But it, it, and, and they couldn't understand why she was still bleeding, why, why the bleeding wouldn't stop. Then we took her to another, uh, they, they transported her to another hospital, and in that hospital they found out that the cut was deeper than what they thought it was. All right. All right. Yeah. And they had missed a, a part of the cut, and then plus they wasn't deep enough to really deal with it. So here's what I'm saying. See, you waiting on time, baby. Time don't get down in there. Time don't get down deep enough to deal with what needs to be deal with. Only the Holy Ghost and the Word. That's why the Bible said that the Word of God is like a two-edged sword. It pierces to the dividing of sunder of the soul and spirit, the joints and marrow, even the intents of the heart. The Word know how to get down in there and deal with them all hurt from 1965. In 1972, the Word can deal with it. That's how you get healed, man, from that Word. And you got to let that Word heal you mentally. Yeah. Some of you are just messed up in your mind. About to lose your mind, about to go crazy because you're still holding on to your past. Although God has moved you forward and he got a new thing right there waiting on you to embrace it, but you won't because you're still holding on to your past. Mentally holding on to your past. And folks trying to figure out what's wrong with you. You wake up, man. How you wake up mad? How in the world? You, ain't nobody said nothing to you in eight hours and you mad. You just, you just mad. That's because mentally you're holding on. To your past. And that is an enemy to you embracing the new thing that God has for you. Let me show you this scripture and I'll be done. Show you one scripture. Go to Genesis. God wants to create a new thing in your life. But as long as you mentally holding on to your past, 
I've been there. I said, I, I ain't pastor no more. I ain't, you know, I ain't doing church, you know, da, da, da. I go and, and just sit there and, and look cute. <laughs> but I ain't going to do nothing. Yeah. I ain't going to do nothing. Because I'm, I'm holding on. Holding on to my past. Yeah. And many of you folks, you can't. See, you got to realize this. You got to realize this. Uh, come here again, Donovan. Hold my hands. Don't, don't let me go forward. See, your, your past won't. You, 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 every time you try, he, he, he pull you back. Yeah. Until you just, just take a little breather and say, well, yeah. Yeah, you don't need me. No, I haven't been there before. Then all of a sudden you come here and get a little inspiration and you 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 try but but your past still there. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, it's still holding you. And then you, well, yeah, you yeah, you you right, child. Every time I try to do something, it ain't gonna turn out right anyway. Shoot, every time I take two steps, you know, devil gonna knock me back twelve. <laughs> and what me what makes me even think I can succeed? What makes me even think it's gonna be better? I might as well just be comfortable right here and just watch out for who comes into my life because what, what they up to. You know, job trying to give you a bonus. Uh, we, we was in the boardroom and we decided to, to give you a bonus. Mm-hmm, yeah, what that for? <laughs> Where that's going? A man try to be nice to you. Some of you single ladies can't go forward. Because you're making every good man pay for the bad ones that you've had. Amen. You sure look nice today. <laughs> Come on now. Talk to the hand. <laughs> Child, please. You know all that. See, see, you, you, you are meant. You, you see, you crazy. <laughs> God's trying to send you a Boaz. But you punishing the Boaz because the last guy you had, he didn't have Bo in front of his name. <laughs> now you figure that one out. Look at verse 51. This is a powerful, powerful scripture. Genesis 41 and 51. This is a powerful scripture. You remember Joseph? Yes, sir. Joseph had a dream. God gave him a dream, gave him a vision. God gave him a vision, and he began to share his vision with his brothers. Let me tell you something, you can't share your vision with everybody. Your visions and your dream. Everybody ain't, ain't, everybody's not celebrating you. Somebody waiting to hear what you're what you about to do, what you're planning on doing, so they can go up the road and, 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 and cut you off. Some people sabotaging what you're trying to do, and they're acting like they're with you and still coming back, retrieving information, acting like they're praying. Yeah, they praying, all right. They P-R-E-Y-I-N-G. They praying. Joseph shared his dream, but now watch this because this is powerful. He shared his dream. His brothers, the Bible said they hated him. They hated him the more. They end up putting him in a pit. They put him in a pit to die. And they took his clothes, put blood on his clothes, and and gave the clothes to the father and, and, and lied, fabricated a story, and said that a wild beast has eaten Joseph. So he's in this pit. He's out of the pit now, and he's sold into slavery. Now he's a slave. He's sold, but vision's on the inside of him. Say vision's on the inside of him. He has vision on the inside of him. He's sold into slavery. He ends up a slave at Potiphar's house. He's in Potiphar's house, and now Potiphar's wife accuses him of rape because he won't sleep with her. 
And so now, when Potiphar gets to report, he gets the news that his wife has been raped. When she says she's been raped and she fabricated this story, she lied on him. So his, his manager lied on him. I said his manager lied on him because he was working, he was working for, for Potiphar and, and, and Potiphar's wife was like his supervisor or manager in the house. So the supervisor lied on him. I'm trying to encourage you. The supervisor lied on him. So now he's in prison. Could be a prison of unemployment because they lied on you. An emotional prison because they lied on you. A prison of lack now because they lied on you in the workplace. Now, now so what happens now is now he's in jail. He's in prison. And now he's released from prison. He's brought out of prison because of that, that, that gift that's on the inside. Folks, your gift will make room for you and bring you before the presence of great men. He's locked up in prison, but he didn't get rid of his gift. Yeah. My goodness, man. Yes, See, he could have, oh my goodness. Yes. He could have, glory to God. Oh my goodness, man. He, he could have said, when they asked him to interpret that dream, he could have been holding on to his past saying, no, dream got me in trouble in the first place. And I dare not talk about dream again, but he wasn't holding on to his past. And this time he began to share that dream and it got him second in charge in Egypt. I don't care what you go through. Don't you throw your gift away. The gifts and callings of God, they're irrevocable. They're without repentance. I don't care how much hell you got to go through. Don't you let your dream go down the tube. You hold on to your gift. Now, he's second in charge in Egypt. And them very people that lied on him had to come to them, had to come to him for provision. I'm telling you, he'll make your enemy serve you. Say Joseph. Say he went through a lot. But now watch this scripture that we read here. Because God still wants to do a new thing in your life. Watch this. Verse 41, 51. And Joseph, he's now having his first child. And Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh. 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 You know what Manasseh means? Made to forget. That God created a Manasseh in his life. And that Manasseh, look what it said. He said he called the firstborn Manasseh for God. He said he has made him forget all, has made me forget all my tall in all my father's house. And he's saying I've been through some tall, I've been through some trouble, I've been through some hardship, I've been through some difficult, but this thing that I've allowed God to create in my life, it has made me forget about everything that happened back at my daddy's house. So look at what you're doing. And that's why now the old never comes into mind. The old, I, I don't think about that, that old church I used to have. I don't think about that bad experience. I don't go around moping over that. Why? Because I got a Manasseh. Yeah. And my Manasseh has made me forget yeah. all my toil and all yeah. my trouble. Yeah. I'm not even thinking about my trouble. I'm thinking about the double that's going to come as a result of my trouble. That's what I'm, I'm thinking about the double. I'm thinking about the reward. I'm not thinking about all the suffering. I'm thinking about the promise. Yeah. Forget what happened. Forget what happened. Yes. Forget about it. Yes, sir. I'm talking to you now. Forget about what they did. Forget about it. What they said. Forget about it. Yes. Forget what. Stop going over old history. Yes. And let God create a Manasseh in your life. Amen. Amen. In the Amplified, it said, and Joseph called the firstborn Manasseh, making to forget. Making to forget. In other words, like, Lord, why are you doing this for me? I want you to forget about some stuff. Yeah. I'm making this so you can forget. 
I'm making, if you let me make it, it'll make you forget. <laughs> See, it's not God who makes you forget. That thing will make you forget. That I'm at a place in my life, I, it, it's made me forget about a whole lot of stuff. It will make you forget. Because God can make you forget without the thing. God can just make you forget, but it makes you forget. You got to let him create a Manasseh in your life. He said, said he has made me forget all my toil and hardship and all my father's house. Because, see, his father's house reminded him of the pain. Yes. But, folks, he, he kept dreaming. Matter of fact, he became the interpreter because he didn't throw his gift away. And how many of you have thrown your gift away? Come on. Something you vowed you'll never do again because you had a bad experience. Right. Right. Let all your rent houses go because folk don't pay. Come on now. That's a way out of that, man. That's a way around that. Shoot, man, put them under the government. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to pay. Yeah. Amen. But see, how many times have you robbed yourself? Have you let the business go? And you let this go, and you let that go, and you let that relationship go? Because all you knew was the pain. And it's not until you embrace the new that God begins to make you forget. That new thing make you forget. Man, I remember riding, I had a Buick Century that used to be gray. Time repainted it for me. He used to rain in the car. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Rain in the car. And, and I was preaching. I was a preacher going to preach. And, you know, I couldn't put my suit on until I got to where I'm going. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. When it was raining. The right side of the hour was working. The side I'm on, it didn't work. Stop and put all in it. Kept antifreeze in the car. Well, water, I couldn't afford antifreeze. Just give me some, I got the antifreeze bottle though. Kept me some water in it. Yeah. Running hot on you. No thermostat in it, because I couldn't afford to put a thermostat in you. You know, man. Manasseh made me forget. And you think I'm going to be a fool or walk in pride and arrogance, act like it's me? My wife and I was, we would, our first house, we couldn't afford iron heat, central iron heat, couldn't even afford window units. And we would come in from church when we come from Bible study. We'd come from Bible study. I would go in the house and I would go in the house and they'd sit in the car and I'd go in the house and, and turn the oven on. It's in the 90s. I'd turn the oven on and open the, open the oven and turn the stove on and, 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 and block off the hallways so that it could it could warm up the front room because that's where we all slept because that's where it was warm at. And you know what? You know what we were saying? Oh, we're blessed. God's making us millionaires. We wasn't telling folk. Nobody, nobody knew what was going on. We lived around her family. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't know. Pastor Barnes then would be a blessing to us. People would bring us groceries. Folk didn't know. And I'd come out, man, you know, man, I'd be preaching, man. Preach. See, I, see, the word, see, my situation don't change the word. The word changed my situation. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's it. 
Right. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna not right. preach this because it ain't showed up in my life yet. This is what I believe. But where I am now, I've been giving birth to Manassas. Yeah. I've been naming all my children Manassas. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you understand what I'm saying? Every time something, this, this is my Manassas. Yeah. This make me forget about that. This is this, this another Manassas. Yeah. This another Manasseh. This another Manasseh. This gonna make me forget something. All right, God, what you trying to create in my life? You trying to get me to forget something? Amen. God wants to do a new thing in your life. I don't care where you are. If you would embrace change, and embrace this season of change, embrace the new thing that God wants to do. You'll forget all your toils. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah.